And so we're seeing a whole new kind of leader emerge in the face of a VUCA reality. Now, many of you know that I've tested a few products uh, that have had a benefit in my life, and so I'm willing to promote them to you guys. And the latest product that I've tested is a neurostimulation device called Halo. Halo will actually electrically stimulate the movement area of your brain to help you improve your movement performance. It can be used for CrossFit applications or rucking or running. And I recently did a podcast with the founder, Dr. Daniel Chow. So you can check it out there to learn more. But at any rate, the company has graciously offered a discount to our listeners. So you can get $125 off the Halo. And I really want you guys to try this product because it works. It's being used by some professional sports teams. It's being used by some Olympians, like the Olympic bike team. And uh, like I said, mentioned CrossFitters and the Navy SEALs are using this product now as well. And so in order to get $125 off the Halo Sport, go to haloneuro.com, haloneuro.com, and use the promo code UNBEATABLEMIND125. Go to haloneuro.com and on checkout, enter the code UNBEATABLE125. That's UNBEATABLE125. So check it out, haloneuro.com, UNBEATABLE125. You're going to love this product if you're into performance gain. Hoo-yah, divine out. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine coming at you from SealFit headquarters with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Welcome back, and I'm so stoked that you tuned in yet again. So hoo-yah, appreciate that support. Hey, listen, before I introduce our guest today, and we're, by the way, we're going to have a really, really interesting conversation I'm totally stoked about uh, around leading in a chaotic world. But before we do that, I'm asked to remind you to please go to iTunes and rate the podcast if you haven't done so already. You'll see a bunch of stars there, and I'm pretty sure there's five. So start at the right side and, and click over there first, okay? Just giving you a hint. And then if you're not on our email list, also go to unbeatablemind.com slash podcast and uh, you can uh, put your name in our email list so you can stay abreast of all the cool things that we have happening. And sometimes we have special offers, you know, offers for our email subscribers and all that. At any rate, <clears throat> I'm, like I said, I'm completely stoked. Uh, one of my favorite topics is leadership. My book, The Way of the Seal, is all about leadership. And in it, I introduce some concepts about leading in chaos and, you know, maintaining an offensive mindset. But also, as you're probably aware, if you've read the book, uh, it, it revolves around development, developing you as a person, as a leader, someone who's capable of leading through chaos, someone who's capable of leading teams and, and yourself and developing yourself, taking responsibility for that growth. And today's guest is an expert in this area. Uh, in fact, Sean uh, Ishbord Hargens is a PhD in integral leadership, and he runs an organization called Meta Integral. And he happens also to be working with me as a coach and a consultant for our inner circle program. I'm going to read Sean's bio because it's really cool. Normally, I usually don't do that. We just get right into talking, Sean, but I like your bio. It's pretty cool. I got kind of like bio envy here. So Sean Esborn Hargens is a PhD specialized in supporting leaders, teams, and organizations to navigate, to navigate complexity through developmental and integrative methodologies and practices. Sean's the founder of Meta Integral, which is a social enterprise global action network comprised of three companies, training academy, a consulting firm, and a nonprofit. Meta Integral is dedicated to supporting professionals to be impact through the application of integral principles and frameworks. Sean's areas of expertise include, so this is a good part, 
executive leadership development and coaching, leadership curriculum design and delivery, integral organizational consulting. I want to talk about that. Like, what the heck is that? <laughs> Dynamic facilitation, whole system design, something that I'm really horrible at, <laughs> embodiment and presence, and the application of, this is it. Okay, this is the part that I have envy. The application of integrative meta theories. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone's going, what the hell are integrative meta theories? So we're going to figure out what those are. Sean, <laughs> thanks a lot for joining me today. I'm really, uh, I really appreciate your time. How are things going, by the way? Really good. It's great to be here. Excited for the conversation. And yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing few months. We've, I've been applying um, the ideas we're going to be talking about today in a number of you know, leadership contexts. So yeah, I'm excited to, to see where our conversation goes. Yeah, me too. Now you have some pretty interesting clients. Like, isn't like the government of South Africa one of your clients, and IBM and Google, or you know, folks like that? Yeah, we have we have a team in Brazil that's been working with IBM, and we've okay. been exploring a, a contract with Accenture. Okay. We have a team in Australia that's working with um, the government there. And looking at healthcare, and we have teams here in the U.S. working with Google, um, Cisco, and Eileen Fisher, the female woman's fashion design, and you know a number of other interesting, you know, and well-known, you know, clients. And it just highlights that these organizations are really interested in what we call vertical learning or vertical development and integrative approaches. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would have never guessed that these would be some of our clients when I started this company. But I'm excited to see that the world is waking up to the levels of company we face. And one of the strategies for dealing with it is cultivating vertical development and leaders. Yes, definitely. And I, and I want to come back to vertical development. But um, it's been a long time since I've spoken with uh, Ken Wilbur. When I, I did a podcast with Ken, I think you're aware about um, maybe nine months ago, Ken uh, being the father of integral theory. And since you're like probably the next guy on the list who knows about as much as – well, nobody can know as much as Ken, right? About right. <laughs> but since you're, you are definitely an integral expert, you have a PhD in integral leadership, is there a, a, a possibility of giving the listeners a five-minute – you know, yeah, thousand foot overview of what integral theory is because to me it's fascinating and it, it helps framework uh, the unbeatable mind training. Because when I put that together and then I when I mirrored it or matched it to what Ken had talked about with the AQAL, I didn't have all four quadrants, but I had three spheres and I had five lines of development being the five mountains. And I'm like, holy cow, right? Uh, right. Unbeatable mind is an integrated development model. It's an integrated That's warrior development model but kind of a caveman approach, right? So I've learned so much from Ken and now from you. So anyways, enough about me, Blavin. What, tell us what is the integral theory in, in as simplistic way as you can. Yeah, so integral theory is an example of what you mentioned before, an integrative meta theory. Okay. And in, in my studies and research, I've identified at least three major integrative meta theories. So there aren't a lot of them out there. Um, there Ken's work is the most popular and well-known. Mm -hmm. In many respects, there's another body of work called critical realism, which is um, very academic and associated with kind of um, philosophy of science and is, you know, primarily comes out of the British school of thinking. Mm -hmm. And there's another gentleman, Edgar Morin, based out of France, who's a public intellectual figure who's developed a body of work called complex thought. Hmm. But all three of these individuals have in common and why their approaches are referred to as integrative meta theories 
is they are a theory of theories, mm. right? So they look at all the different theories that have been produced by human beings over the last, you know, 10,000 years. And they come up with a, a way of integrating all of that in a coherent, cohesive way that is their best attempt at basically explaining reality. Mm-hmm. So integral theory is a theory of reality. And not just reality in terms of the what we call the exterior dimensions, like the behaviors and the systems, which is how a lot of theories of everything are framed and discussed in terms of a physics context. Like unified theory? Or yeah, an attempt exactly. to find unified theory? The integrative meta-theories include psychology, emotions, relational dynamics, cultural theory, you know, religions, philosophies. So it includes all the, quote, interior dimensions, all the aspects of reality that in some sense are, are invisible. Mm-hmm. They're not just empirical realities that are observable through the five senses. And so integrative meta-theories do their best at studying all the major theories of all the major disciplines that you would find on a college campus mm-hmm. and then coming up with a framework that brings the best insights from all those disciplines into a single integrative meta-theory. Interesting. It sounds kind of utopian to me. I mean, do these uh, frameworks kind of meet the reality test? I mean, do they do they work? Right. I mean, like when you're out there working with clients... I mean, I, I found at, an, at a personal development level that people get it, but do they work for team and organizational systems? And what is your experience with that? They do. There, there is a process of translating the theory into practice, yeah. and theories are so wide-ranging and, and include so much that and, – and they can never fully be integrated, right? Mm, right. Because, I mean, we're discovering new you know, dimensions of reality and new aspects, and so – the, the process of integration is ongoing, and so these these theories are always having to be revised and adjusted. But what people like Ken Wilber are really good at is identifying principles that underlie the integrative dynamics. And by identifying what those principles are, you can apply those to teams and different leaders and to entire organizational systems. And so you do this in your own work. You know, one of the main premises of all of these integrative theories is the importance of including the, what you call the three spheres, mm-hmm. right? Or what in Wilbur's work calls the big three, right? The, the I dimension, the we dimension, and the it or its dimension. So those are three fundamental aspects of reality that when you include them and tend to them with teams, with individuals, with organizations, you get a much better result. Because when you leave out one of those dimensions, one of those spheres, then you, you end up really crippling yourself and it and shows up in all kinds of ways. So you take the core meta principle and you find ways to translate it into the specific context that you're working in with leaders or businesses. In this context, what does meta mean to you? What does meta mean? Meta means, you know, big. Yeah, that's (laughs) huge. You know, it can even mean beyond, right? You know, like, and, you know, so... Inclusive or all-inclusive? Yeah, inclusive. And so I named my company's Meta Integral. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's an integration that's that's a very big integration because I work with all three of the integrative meta theories I was mentioning. So not just with Wilbur's work, which is kind of my primary home base, but with additional meta theories. And so it's meta in that it's really it's global and, and it's trying to be as inclusive as possible. And it also creates a kind of humbleness because you recognize that it's impossible to actually accomplish what you're committed sure. to. Right, and this is kind of the utopia. You pick your battles, right, and yeah. find where the real opportunities are for, for yeah. change. Yeah, 
In, and the, in a way, Sean, you're, you are, I just thought of this, you are actually creating a super meta theory of meta theories. You're right. So you and can add, add super to your company name too. Super right. meta integral. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I took the three theories that I mentioned and I, and I took one word out of each of them to create a new word. So it's called complex integral realism. Nice. And this is my meta meta integral theory. Right. And I have a whole chapter devoted to it in a book that came out a few months ago. So I'll give you a copy of that the next time I see you and it'll blow your mind. I can't wait to see that. Now, I've got your book, Integral Ecology. Yeah. And you've written uh, one or two others, haven't you? I have. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think is really cool about integral ecology is there's an appendix at the end of the book that's about 30 pages in length. And it has a short paragraph describing 200 distinct approaches to the environment, hmm. 80 of which are schools of ecology, and then the other 120 are distinct schools of environmental thought. Now, each of these approaches, by and large, has their own PhD programs, their own journals, their own conferences, their own research agendas. Right? And so this is the craziness that the environment is so complex and so dynamic that it could support over 200 distinct schools of environmental thinking and ecological research. And so the question I try to answer in that is, how might it look if we drew on a majority of those to, to try and deal with our environmental issues? Because mm -hmm. right now it's like we basically draw on three or four of them for any given issue. Right. But there are dozens and dozens of schools that have great insights about why we're in the situation we're in and what we might do to get out of it. And so there's just this level of complexity that's rampant in the business world, in the academic world, and, you know, even in our own personal lives. You know, if, right. if anything defines the 21st century, one could argue it's complexity. Right. And, and if there's been an unending drive towards smaller and smaller dissection and definition, definitiation of, you know, smaller buckets or, or verticals of knowledge, right? And so that's led to two to three hundred domains yeah. of science around the ecology, uh, many hundreds around economics and, yeah. you know, social systems theory and everything. So it's so cool to see um, an integrative approach happening. And it's relatively new. I mean, I, I think Wilbur's been at this probably for like 30 years. Is that right? And is it, do you see the movement growing? Is it catching on more of an integrative approach or are you a lone wolf out there? Are you and a, a few others in the integral community? Yeah, I've, you know, you're right. Wilbur, as well as Roy Bashkar and Edgar Morin, the other two I mentioned, all started writing in the mid 70s. Mm -hmm. okay. So all three of these kind of contemporary integrative meta theories have emerged in, you know, our contemporary moment. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, and it's no surprise, like that they're the result of the complexity that we're facing globally right. and their efforts to try and deal with that. And I do see things increasing. And, you know, the zeitgeist is becoming more and more integrative. I am, cons you know, ongoingly coming across examples of integral approaches, initiatives, frameworks, models that know nothing about any of the three, you know, bodies of work that I've been mentioning, right? So they're Sim similar to Unbeatable Mind, right? Where yeah, right. Exactly. So they're, they're outside then, of that yeah. context because when you're faced with as much complexity as we are, one natural response is an integrative response. Right. And so, you know, creative people who are passionate and they're generating creative approaches all over. I see it at UC Berkeley. There's a guy down in Columbia who has created an integrative theory of mathematics where he's brought together all the different major schools of mathematics 
and he calls it a systemic philosophy of mathematics. I mean, so it's just, it's mind blowing that, you know, these efforts are happening all over the place and they totally fit within integral theory and these other approaches. And so I think, you know, we are in an integral age. We're in a very fragmented age. And, you know, one of the things I've often thought about is, is there going to be an omega point where we just integrate it all, right? right. You know, it's like, and I've come to the conclusion that actually the fragmentation and the integration go hand in hand, mm -hmm. and you're always going to have both, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to have some kind of moment where the, the integration gains on the fragmentation. It's like an interesting polarity where they, they, they self-create each other. Right. And so, you know, I think we're living in an age of fragmentation, and, and alongside that is we're living in an age of integration at the same time. That's interesting. And it's possible also that it kind of follows the laws of evolution and involution. Right. And so that you have a period of fragmentation followed by a period of integration, which is then again followed by fragmentation. And yeah. who, who knows how long these periods are, right? They may be, so they may be long or they may be, they may be speedy, you know. But, you know, not unlike, you know, they say a human being, you know, evolves and then involves. And even the universe, you know, is said to be in an invo, evo, invo kind of cycle yeah. or dance. Yeah. Interesting. This podcast is graciously supported by my buddies at Ample, which is my new MRE or meal ready to eat. If you haven't checked out Ample yet, go to amplemeal.com. Now, Ample is not just a protein shake. It's a complete meal in a bottle. It includes all the fiber and healthy fats and protein and carbohydrates that you need in the right combinations from the right sources. I love this product. It's become my go-to for baseline nutrition, and I have one a day before my morning training sessions. Life can get a little crazy, but that's okay, and Ample makes eating healthy on the go so much easier. Just add water and three, two, one, go. Now, Ample's offering a 15% discount off your first order. So go to amplemeal.com if you want to try this out. Type in the code UNBEATABLE15, UNBEATABLE15. You can get a 400 or 600 calorie complete meal in a bottle made from superior real food ingredients and it's designed for optimal nutrition for folks like us. It's non-GMO, no artificial crud, no gluten, no soy. Now, they know how much I love this product and they want you to try it too. So go to amplemeal.com, type in the code UNBEATABLE15, get 15% off your first order. Hoo-yah, give it a try. So let, let's um, move on and talk about leading in a chaotic world and then how leaders can develop themselves vertically so they can navigate that. And use the term, a term that I first heard in the military, and it's VUCA, leading in a VUCA world. Let's talk about that, what is VUCA? Yeah, VUCA is an acronym that emerged out of the, the military context, I believe, in, in the 90s. And, you know, it stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous. And it was an acronym that was designed to basically describe our current moment. Mm -hmm. And it's been adopted by the business world and leadership and, you know, in a lot of other contexts because it, it really does a good job of kind of naming, you know, our situation. Absolutely. And so, you know, leading in a VUCA world is, you know, how do you lead given the high levels of uncertainty or the, the many complex realities we're facing or the ambiguity, right, and the volatility? You know, like what's required of leadership now is very different than even 10 years ago, right. let alone 20 years ago. So there are different qualities of being, right, of self that are, are needed in an individual. 
You know, different qualities of presence, different capacities of thinking, different abilities of emotional awareness, tracking in oneself and and those around you Mm -hmm. in order to navigate this VUCA world. And so we're seeing a whole new kind of leader emerge in the face of a VUCA reality. Okay, so... Totally agree on all that. What is the the old leader look like? Uh, what's not working? And then right. we'll kind of turn our attention to what will work. You know, often it's described as a command and control approach, right? And a hierarchical approach because we've really moved into a networked system right. approach. And so what's not working is, you know, unilateral power, you know, top-down decisions, um, one person being able to know as much as they need to to execute Right. So so in a sense, the individual has disappeared. Right. No. (laughs) Like and so the the new leaders have to be they're obviously individuals, but they're plugged into a a network of perspectives, a network of methods, a network of thinking that's very different than kind of this idea of the heroic leader. So we've Mm -hmm. moved from the heroic leader to the network leader Mm -hmm. and and the network leader still is heroic in some important ways but not exclusively heroic in the way that the kind of the old school leaders tended to be. And, and you see this in business where businesses that are led by the heroic style leader are the ones that are not surviving the VUCA conditions that their businesses are embedded in. Mm. There's been a number of interesting studies that the leaders who have higher vertical development, right, higher levels of consciousness where they're able to hold more complexity and coordinate it, those business leaders executives and CEOs that have those highest levels of human cognitive capacity are the ones that are able to lead their organizations through the transitions that their companies are facing as a result of the VUCA realities. Mm-hmm. So we're really seeing, you know, kind of, you know, the old style leader is, is just not cutting it and more and more organizations are recognizing that something different is required. So, so are we talking really about um, leadership development or um, systemically re- reorganizing so that, you know, you become like McChrystal's team of teams or a networked organization so that the organization can, you know, unblock you know, the energy of the team. And is it the leader's job basically to, to reorganize and get out of the way? In yeah, a lot of cases? it is. And yet you, you have to manage the polarity of being a heroic leader on the one hand, because there's moments when the company or your team needs that heroic drive, that clarity, that focus, that inspired power, mm-hmm. right? right? And right. you have to balance that and be flexible and shift into a collaborative leader, a network leader, a leader who's able to navigate multiple perspectives, coordinate them, right. um, right. see leverage points within the system, right? Both within departments and organizations and in terms of market dynamics or geopolitical regions, you know? So, you know, it's that ability to think systemically um, build systems, dialogue with the systems, reinvent the systems as you go, and create lots and lots of feedback loops for yourself, your team, and your systems so that they become very agile, mm. they become very responsive to the conditions because the conditions are shifting so quickly that if you're not agile in your own thinking or your own emotionality or your team's ability for relationality or your system's ability to navigate what's happening in terms of supply chains, in terms of market dynamics, in terms of um, leadership shifts, then the lack of agility spells death, right, mm-hmm. in a world, right? And so you need a leader who's integrated in, in a number of respects that's able to support 
leadership across all of those different contexts. And it's a very demanding set of leadership qualities. It's not yeah, easy. No doubt. No doubt about that. Now, I remember uh, recently you uh, administered a assessment for me yeah. called the LDMA, Leadership Development Management Assessment. Is that right? Or yes, Leadership Decision-Making Assessment. Decision-Making. Okay. And it was by a company called Lexica. Uh, some of your peers were involved in the integral world. I think Zach Stein, right, is one of the folks who was out of Harvard involved exactly. in, the, in the creation of that. And I thought it was fascinating. And, you know, at first I was looking at it like, uh, hey, this is going to test and it's going to grade me on my leadership. You know what I mean? And I better get a 10 because I teach it. And I did not, you know, get a 10 <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10. You know, I was probably more like a 6. And it was fascinating because I'm like, holy cow, there are, there are skills beyond the skills beyond the skills. And they're all soft, right? They're all really, you know, and I want to ask you this question, but it seems to me this whole notion of you know, really getting out of your limited sense of, of linear decision making and be able to look at patterns and frameworks and to be able to literally step in the, the shoes or the head of not just the, the individual you're dealing with, but the whole network and to be able to see multiple perspectives. I mean, that's really new. That's new type of training. It, I can see how it's easily, not easily, but I can see how it's trainable. Yeah. But it, I've never experienced, except in the SEALs, you know, where we had to, you know, find our way through these murky VUCA environments and come up with new structures. Like, again, like the team of teams approach from the Joint Spec Ops Task Force in Iraq and Afghanistan. But um, so what's your take on that? Why is this, why all of a sudden did this, this idea of vertical development and how come it hasn't been around um, in the past? I mean, it seems like it's obvious that we want to be able to navigate complexity because, you know, that's, a, that's what a leader has always done. But I haven't seen anything like this lectica assessment. Yeah, it's really emerged in the last five years or so. And, and it's largely been driven by what has been called the complexity gap. Got it. And the complexity gap is the gap between your mental capacity and the external or even internal complexity that you're facing. And, and what we've discovered, um, you know, in terms of, you know, developmental psychology over the last, you know, 100 plus years is the, the different phases or stages that individuals go through in developing their mindsets and their capacity to think and, and integrate that with emotions and interpersonal dynamics and so forth. So there's a really big body of research that has a long tradition, um, you know, and a lot of the figures currently are associated with Harvard. And you mentioned Zach. Um, who's a graduate from Harvard University, and you know he studied with Robert Keegan, um, Kurt Fisher, Howard Gardner, you know a lot of the really big names in this field. And so, because complexity has just you know exponentially you know exploded over the last 15 years, there's been an increased recognition that leaders have not been able to navigate it. And so, the question has been asked: Why? Like, what's going on? Like, and what do we need to do to support leaders to have the capacity to navigate this level of complexity we're facing. And so the research shows that there's four major adult stages of mindsets. And the first one, um, there's actually like, you know, 11, you know, there's a lot, but like just to focus on the top four. Depending upon the model you're talking about, right? Yeah. And, and so just to focus on the top four in the, the model that Lectica uses, there's advanced linear thinking, which is the vast majority of the adult population, around 60% of adults are operating with advanced linear thinking. And this gets us through most of our day, right? Beyond that, you have what's called early systems thinking. And this is basically, you know, 30% of the population. 
So this is where you have a lot of your leadership, especially in organizations and companies. And then after that, you have advanced um, systems thinking with only 9% of the population. And, and here you find VPs, executives, CEOs um, that are testing at these levels of advanced systems thinking because their job demands it. If they don't have advanced systems thinking capacities, they're actually not able to perform their function you know, and serve the company and the stakeholders. Um, and shareholders. And then the last level is called integrative thinking or principled thinking. And only about 1% of the adult human population um, is at that place. Right? And yet many of the, the situations we're in globally require advanced, at least advanced systems thinking capacities. Mm-hmm. Only 9% of the population is there. So there's this complexity gap between all the leaders who are at early systems thinking, 30%, and yet they find themselves in situations that really require advanced systems thinking, right? And so it's a developmental catalyst. If they're supported and have the right scaffolding, the right environment, they can grow into the abilities that support them to operate at that higher level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and my, uh, we have certainly don't have any advanced systems in my business. So do well, I need advanced systems thinking to be an entrepreneur? Or uh, is this really just applicable to running countries and, you know, organizations like Ford and GM? Yeah. Yeah. For your company and the size it is, you know, you, you don't need advanced systems thinking. Definitely need early systems thinking. Um, but to the extent that you and your team cultivate advanced systems thinking, it's going to support you to scale. It's going to support you to create better business models, have more dynamic teams, right? right. So you're going to have a lot of benefits to the extent that you're able to cultivate those higher capacities of, of mental, emotional, and interpersonal integration. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now. And it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com, that's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R, that's UNBEATABLEMIND15R, to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one, you won't be disappointed with Qualia. So let's talk about how. Let's talk about how to develop those skills. And you use the term vertical development. I love that. Let's first distinguish what's the difference between horizontal and vertical development when it comes to leaders, leadership development. Yeah. 
you know, and this is a, an important distinction that's often used when presenting these ideas. So horizontal learning is what generally happens out there, and that's learning more things. That's like expanding your toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. Learning new skills, new theories, new frameworks, getting more content. So this is what you know, right? Increasing what you know. Got it. Whereas vertical learning is changing how you know. It's actually changing your mindset. It's changing the operating system out of which the, the what you know occurs in. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the horizontal learning is the content. The vertical learning is the context. Mm -hmm. And so you can take someone who is at, let's say, advanced linear thinking, right? 60% of the adult population. And someone who's at early systems thinking, right? So they're at, they're at different levels of vertical learning and vertical development. You could give them the same horizontal learning. Like they know the same theories, the same tools, the same methodologies. They have essentially the same skill sets, right? But they have two different levels of consciousness. The individual who's at the early systems thinking will be able to take his horizontal, his or her horizontal learning and apply it in more effective, skillful ways than the other guy. He'll see different patterns. He'll see different connections. So he'll be able to unlock the potential of those tools mm -hmm. in a way that the advanced um, linear thinking individual would not be able to. So the, the more vertical learning you have, the more creative you are with the tools in your toolbox. Right. So specifically, though, what, what types of things can we do as leaders to facilitate or unlock some vertical development? You know, one of the core practices we work with, and this comes out of the research that Lectric has done, and it's consistent with the other research on human psychology and development, and it's perspective taking, mm -hmm. perspective seeking, perspective coordination. And, and so these three practices basically help cultivate um, vertical learning, right? And there's a lot of different ways to, to cultivate vertical learning, but this is a really powerful way to go about it. And so perspective taking is using your mind to think about all the different ways you can look at a topic or how different people involved in the situation might reflect on it or understand it or make sense of it, mm -hmm. right? So this is kind of like in your mind going around and standing in everyone's shoes and seeing how the situation looks from that vantage point. Right. We tend to be pretty good at that. Like that's a capacity that, you know, is, is we cultivate in various ways and, and we see the value of it. The next one's perspective seeking, where you actually go out and talk to the people who represent those perspectives that you just took in the comfort of your own mind, and you actually talk to them, and you mm -hmm. compare their view of where they're standing with your view of where they're standing, right? And often, it's not the same, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. You know, and this is like just leadership by walking around, a classic right. principle. Yeah. In a way, it's school. like, it's just straightforward. It's like mm -hmm. talking to people. Right. But what happens is like you start to see the, the gaps between your mental models and their mental models. Right. You start learning the different mental models and all of a sudden you're confronted with a lot of complexity because not everyone's seeing it the same way and they have different reasons, different criteria, different needs, different, you know. And so then it's like, wow, holy cow, what do I do with that? Right. Mm -hmm. And so then that becomes the next step, which is perspective coordination. So this is where you're trying to bring it all together and find the through line. Find the, the meta principles that can organize the differences and unify them, mm. right? Because we don't want to just be left with the pandemonia of all the differences, right? And all the perspectives and all the possibilities. 
that's divergent, right? And so that's the out-breath. The in-breath is convergence. Mm -hmm. right? And so like with box breathing, you need both in-breath and out-breath for it to work. Right. And, you know, so it's the same with perspective seeking and perspective coordinating. It's like they come together. And so the perspective coordination is where you really have to start integrating, right? And, and that develops the capacity for vertical development because the more you go through that cycle of perspective taking, seeking, and coordinating, it exercises this systemic awareness that includes not just cognitive capacities, but emotional capacities and capacities of mindfulness and presence, mm -hmm. somatic, energetic dimensions. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the, the integral leader is happening, is where you're bringing all those dimensions of yourself online and connecting with those dimensions and other people, right? right? Because it's not gonna work to, to coordinate people if you're just trying to do it mentally. Right. You have to inspire people. You have to show that you're vulnerable, that you can transform your thinking in the face of their feedback, right? They have to feel like you're really are collaborating, that it's not just a, a procedure you're going through. So you have to build the social capital. You have to be collaborative and flexible and, and, you know, and, and help drive people to action, shared action, out of a place of shared vision. Mm -hmm. and, and so you know, there's a lot involved, but it really requires all five mountains. Right. You know? And so this is where, on the one hand, vertical development can be viewed as the peak of the mental mountain, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so someone at that 1% of you know, integrative thinking right above advanced systems thinking they, in a sense, are like the, the Navy SEAL of the mental world, right? Mm -hmm. so it's right. like you don't want to mess with them, right? They, they, <laughs> they, they know their stuff, right? They're, they're amazing cognitive, emotional, interpersonal beings that are highly integrated, highly responsive to dynamic conditions. And so they're just amazing to watch in action, right? So perspective-seeking, perspective-taking, and integration or coordination, yeah. Um, those are skills that can be taught and practiced and role modeled and whatnot, like in a training. Um, and what you mentioned was really interesting is, is that it requires, you know, so those are going to give you some, some tactical, practical skills. But the, the more intuitive, the more aware, the more mindful we are, the more uh, effective you're going to be at both perspective taking and seeking and coordination. And so I can see how an integrative approach to the training is really important. And that, like the five mountains you said, so you have, you know, the embodied practices uh, to develop intuition, right? You have the mindfulness and the awareness practices of meditation and silence and, you know, being in nature and box breathing, right? To develop more sensitivity. And, uh, and then, you know, you apply all these while you're doing those three perspectival, uh, you know, developmental things. Yeah, absolutely. And the research shows that as people increase in vertical development, they work with intuition more and more. Right. Right? So at early systems thinking, you start to see intuition becoming a larger source of a leader's you know, kind of approach to making decisions. Yes, and then yes. at advanced systems thinking, it's, it's full on. Right? The leaders at advanced systems thinking are tapping into their intuition moment to moment on a regular basis and folding that in alongside the other streams of data, right? That might be coming more from a cognitive assessment or an emotional assessment of the room or the interaction with an individual. But intuition becomes more and more important. And part of that is because when you're in a VUCA environment and you get good at sitting in ambiguity and you get good at sitting in uncertainty, right? That actually trains your embodied awareness to open up 
to the information that's coming into your sphere that we often call intuition, mm -hmm. right? It's when we're in an advanced linear thinking mode that we kind of cut ourselves off from intuition, right? And this is like in the Navy SEAL context, when you're out in the field and you're in a difficult life or death situation, you actually have to relax and open awareness. Right. You know, even though there might be moments where you really zeroed in and focused, you're kind of moving between, I would imagine, kind of a, a focused awareness and an open, relaxed awareness. And that's where the intu intuitive dimension comes forward and saves your life. Right. This is fascinating. And I think we're, I want to do another podcast on intuition because you're just opening up all sorts of interesting avenues. And I'm sure everyone listening is going, yeah, let's go down this path because this is really interesting. I mean, the, the current kind of uh, accepted theory is that intuition is simply, you know, uh, when, when you've mastered a skill or domain that you're able to kind of recognize patterns much quicker. And, you know, and so it's, it's kind of like all cognitive, like yeah. neuroscience right. to, to the neuroscientists. Intuition is just about, you know, more effective brain functioning because you get the clutter out of the way. And my experience is that intuition is much more complicated than that. Yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of intuition. And so you have to kind of, you know, double click on the word. And just to play with it a little bit here, it's like, and we've talked about this, where there's a form of intuition that comes from the mind, which I call insight. Right. It's a form of intuition that comes from the heart center, which I call intuition. Mm -hmm. Then there's a form that comes from the belly center or the body, which I call instinct, right? right. So these are different types of intuition, right? And so there's different layers of our psycho-emotional, you know, system that provide nonlinear insight into our, our moment. And so we can call that intuition, and, and I think it's appropriate. And there's, so there's a lot of different channels of intuition, and having an integrative framework helps us see the, the many different forms that intuition can take and how to access and, and benefit from all of them and not just reduce it into – the form of intuition that comes from just a, a deep embodied knowing of being an expert in something. Fascinating. In, in a way, those three kind of correspond to the three spheres. Yeah. The, the I, I being insight, the, yeah. the, the we being the intuitive connection with another human being, the heart level, yeah. and the it being the belly, the body, you know, the embodiment exactly. of, of knowledge or pass through of knowledge from, from some other uh, source. So, Mark, that there was an advanced systems thinking moment that you just had. Woohoo! Right, so yeah. so there's some there's some live progress right here, buddy. <laughs> awesome, man. you just made my day. That's awesome. <clears throat> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put that on my resume. Advanced <laughs> system thinker on July eighteenth, uh, nineteenth. <laughs> All right, Sean. This has been fascinating. We could go on forever, but we've already been cranking for about forty five minutes. Is there a, a book or an article that people can read on vertical development, VUCA, uh, leading in a VUCA world? Yeah, there is. There, you know, there's an article, a white paper that my colleague Barrett Brown did that's about the future of leadership. And maybe I can send it to you and you yeah. can post it with the podcast. Yeah, let's do that. So that people can download it, read it, and, you know, and it, it brings together and summarizes a lot of the things we've been talking about. Perfect. Outstanding. And your website, where can people find you to learn more? Yeah, my primary website is metaintegral.net. And I just launched a, a new page called metacapital.net um, cool. that people check out as well. And, and uh, in the future, it'll be super duper <laughs> meta integral. Yeah, it'll just be god.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I think that domain's tainted, by the way. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> 
All right, Sean. Thank you so much for your time. Super appreciate it. And um, I'm going to continue to work on my advanced um, <laughs> advanced integrative thinking here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, and we'll see you soon. I'm sure. All right. Bye now. Yep. Take care. All right, folks. That was fascinating. Boy, was that a lot of fun. I, I, I'm going to come back and we're going to hit up another a podcast with Sean on intuition. That was. I think it's really critical that we pay attention to our learning and our development, especially this vertical development. Unbeatable Mind really is focused on that. And so it's a great place to start. If you haven't participated or learned about Unbeatable Mind, go to unbeatablemind.com and check out the online training where we develop the five mountains in the three spheres. And if you haven't read my book, Unbeatable Mind, then that's also a great place to start. And the way the seal also kind of hits on it from a perspective of leadership. Okay. So until next time, train hard, stay focused, and develop some advanced integrative perspective-taking thinking. Hoo-yah, Coach Finai. Lock it low, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright-swinging frogmen of the U-T-T. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.